The new year is upon us, which means a new season of Braves baseball is coming soon as well. So we're going to end the season with a mailbag episode here on Locked On Braves. And joining me will be Grant McCauley. We're going to answer all of your Twitter questions and any questions that we have in the chat throughout the podcast. And I will obviously be talking about the upcoming season, what the Braves are going to do the rest of this offseason, where do they go at shortstop, left field, all those questions that you have. We'll be answering on today's episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Amastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback you have for the podcast, and we'll use them in an episode just like we will on today's mailbag edition of Locked On Braves. If you're new, make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. We're almost at 4,000 subscribers on YouTube. Appreciate all the support there. And if you want to continue to support the show, you can do that by hitting that thumbs up button on this video. Make sure you subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast. And as always, thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of every day. Hear from so many of you that say you listen on your way to, to work in the morning or when you're doing your workout. That really means a ton to me. I appreciate all the support there. We're going to be doing a mailbag edition to close out the season, unless Alex Anthopoulos does something crazy over the weekend. And we have a special episode of Lockdown Braves. This will be the last one for the year. Before we get into that, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And to help me answer your questions on today's podcast, joining me will be Grant McCauley. Grant, thanks so much for joining. What better way to close it out doing a mailbag episode here together? Yeah, how about it? One final episode for 2022. I think when we add it all up, you and I have done about, a, what, 130 or so shows together this year. Yeah. So that's not a bad year's work, and we got more to get to in 2023. Yeah, absolutely. Should be a fun year. Looking forward to it. Obviously, the new year brings new excitement. You get to spring training, and even the Orioles and Marlins think they have a chance <laughs> to win. So you know optimism is going to be in the air here pretty soon. But we got a lot of questions to get to, a lot of great questions on Twitter that I want to run through. And if you're watching live uh, in the chat section, go ahead and send those questions in as well. We'll try to get to those. Uh, hey, Fernando, thanks for saying hey and jumping in the, the chat tonight. Um, before we actually, before we get in those questions, there were a couple of minor moves that happened the other day that we can briefly touch on as Alex Antopoulos continues to shape the 40 man roster, creating some depth moves. Um, went out and made a trade with the Yankees, getting another lefty. Grant, I'm going to let you try to say that that last name. But then they also went out and got Eli White, an outfielder, as well to create some depth there. So just some more pieces that Alex Anthopoulos is moving around. Uh, you know, got Luan Diaz was DFA'd his third time this offseason. The poor guy, uh, Hoy Park. You know, we barely knew you, but these are the types of deals that you see. During the offseason, again, like I said, you try to create that depth on the roster and just continue to try to make those upgrades. Um, Lucas, 35-year-old that they got from the Yankees, left-handed reliever, like I said, kind of come on here 
late in his his career. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say about these moves, Grant. They're they're small, minor moves, but they're moves that can make a, a difference throughout the season. Yeah, and they're the kind of moves that you make when you're looking to just round out your 40-man roster and build that depth. I think we all know, just looking at the kind of players that we're talking about, both the couple that were picked up this week and the couple that have been designated for assignment that might come back on minor league deals. I think that's the Braves' hopes is that they could keep you know, Hoy Park and Luis Diaz and perhaps, you know, get them on minor league deals now that they're off the 40 man roster. If no one else claims them on waivers and perhaps that'll happen. But, you know, Eli White is a guy that, you know, 98th percentile in terms of sprint speed. That's pretty impressive. And then you've got the defense that he offers, but hasn't really been able to hit at the big league level. 28 years old, might spend much of the season at AAA Gwinnett. We might not see a lot of him this year, but he's going to have an opportunity in spring training to come in, show what he can do, and maybe win that 26th spot on the active roster. Now, Lucas Lucky, who's a 35-year-old reliever that they picked up from the Yankees, he's an interesting get, I feel like, because it's left-handed depth in the bullpen, but a guy who was pretty good for the New York Yankees over the last couple of years after spending about five years in the minor leagues trying to just get back to the big leagues, uh, 50 appearances for him last year, 267 ERA, 60 punch outs against just 17 walks and 57 and a third innings. Uh, and over the last couple of years with the Yankees, sub two ERA, sub three, or excuse me, sub two, three ERA, sub three FIP, and striking out almost 10 batters per nine, walking just over two batters per nine, doesn't give up a lot of homers. And he's a guy that spins the ball a ton. He throws a cutter, doesn't throw all that hard, but he misses barrels and gets a lot of soft contact. So, just a complimentary lefty that you'd see with Tyler Matzik out. You knew the Braves needed to go get somebody with some big league experience. And I think this is just checking one of those boxes. If you're Alex Anthopoulos to just add one more seasoned reliever to that bullpen mix, kind of like a left-handed Colin McHugh. A lot of people were asking me that on Twitter after the move. And I think that's probably the best way to put it. Not going to throw hard, but he is going to strike some guys out. And that's always a plus. Yeah. You kind of, and you, you hinted at it kind of what I was thinking with Tyler Matzik out Kind of felt like maybe they were going to go after a third lefty in that that bullpen behind Mentor uh, and, and Dylan there. And thank you for picking me up the slack there with a lit key. That's not what I went for. I'm searching for the pronunciation guide over here. Uh, so I appreciate you picking that up. But Lucas Lefty, Lucas Litkey, a lot of L's going on there. But he'll be joining the Braves, uh, Braves staff, potentially looking for a spot in the bullpen. All right, now let's jump into some of those questions. Um, this one coming from from Gus, and I don't know how much I'll be able to add to this one. He says, do we know how good Luis Guanipa is or anything about the international interest the Braves have? Do we know any of any other interests currently? Now, Grant, I am not really up to date with the international prospects. I do know these are 15, 16, 17-year-old kids. You're trying to project what they're going to be you know, when they become full-grown young men, and that's not always easy, but I think the biggest thing is that the Braves are able to play in this field again, and, you know, a lot of these guys turn into really big prospects. The Braves have certainly benefited from that in the past, but your any thoughts, you would, you know, the Braves getting back in that international market, you know, they they got Ambioris Tavares a couple of years ago, Diego Benitez, Douglas Glide last year, and that's going to be important as the Braves try to build up this farm system. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the biggest things is that you know for so long the Braves were not able to play in that international market at all because of the sanctions that were handed down to them after everything that happened in 2017 that we don't need to rehash here. You know, this is another thing where I feel like you know whether it's uh, Luis Guanepa or any of these different guys that we don't really know a lot about at 15, 16, 17 years old as they start to kind of 
you know, splash onto the scene and they're going to have, they're going to be very toolsy players, but it's going to be very raw talent. So whether or not this is a guy that the Braves are going to, you know, be able to to hammer down and get in the, in the international market remains to be seen. But I do think it's a big deal for the overall health of their minor league system to finally be able to go back out and get these kinds of prospects because it, it felt like during the rebuild, especially the Braves were going out and trying to draft pitchers and trade for pitching prospects, but it seemed like they really wanted to lean on the international market to get a lot of their position player prospects. And that makes a ton of sense when you think about the kind of players that you know, come through the international market and into just about each and every farm system. But if you're lucky enough to be the Braves, you sign guys like Ozzy Albies or Ronald Acuna Jr., and they become stars for you. So for the Braves to be able to go out back out and get these guys, they've always been good at scouting and finding players, just going all the way back to the Andrew Joneses of the world. So hopefully they can continue to do that kind of thing now that they don't have anything that keeps them out of that market. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's huge to be back in this market. You see some of the great players, some you mentioned with the Braves that come through that. So, And that's also very helpful in trades. A lot of times you hear these international prospects referred to as lottery tickets that teams will throw in in a trade to make an upgrade somewhere because you, know, you never know what these kids are going to be. A lot of them don't pan out. You look at all the players the Braves lost when they you know, had the, the, the penalties laid down on them. None of those prospects really have turned into much to anything, but you do have those Fernando Tatis Juniors, those Ronald Acuna Juniors, Ozzy Albies. So it is very important that they are back playing in the international market. All right, and take a first break here and come back and answer some more of your questions. Before we do that, though, remind you once again, today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to the college bowl season going on right now. You also have NBA as well. They've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts just like this one, you can get those over at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Jumping back into the Twitter questions here, Grant. Next one comes from Balefire. Says, based on the work this offseason, I'm assuming he's talking about the defense that he's doing, work that he's doing with Wash, mm-hmm. and his bat from last season, I think Grissom will be a solid option at shortstop in 2023 and going forward. If he is solid this season, and this is a question for any Braves player that comes up right now, Grant, and does well, could you see Grissom getting an extension before the all-star break Bellfire is looking for? Wow. I mean, that would certainly be a best-case scenario because if he's getting locked down to an extension, it would mean a few things have happened. And A, it's that you know Von Grissom came to spring training, earned that job, and has more than adequately held down shortstop to that point as well. That seems to kind of be the order that the Braves go in with this is you, you got to find the playing time, secure the playing time, and then show, you know, some considerable promise, which is what the last couple of guys who got these extensions in terms of the young guys from the Braves system and Michael Harris and Spencer Strider were more than able to do a year ago. And, you know, Vaughn Grissom showed a lot in that three to four weeks when he came up and, and he, he did fill a, a very important void for the Braves when Ozzy Albies was down and Orlando Arcia was hurt. And you just kind of wondered where the Braves were going to turn his second base. You know, Vaughn Grissom, I, I think, showed you the flashes of what he could be, but I still have this feeling like, you know, there's just some uh, some finishing touches to be put on for him. At shortstop, there were questions as he was coming through the system. Is that the position he's going to end up at? Is he going to have to move to another one? Well, you know he's not moving to third base. 
I, I guess second base was an opportunity only as long as Ozzy Albies was out. Now that door's kind of shut. And I saw another question we had on Twitter regarding maybe moving Ozzy over to shortstop. I don't see anything like that happening. I, I just don't feel like the Braves are going to be looking to move around those kinds of pieces and and start playing with things that are working, which is Ozzy Albies at second base, where he is a very good defender. So I think they'll leave that alone. But to kind of go back to this question and put a bow on it, you know, I, I feel like if Vaughn Grissom can hit enough then the shortstop job could be his if he can just play adequate defense. And I think it's always going to be his offense that's going to carry him, though. But working hard, being with Ron Washington, and figuring out ways to make yourself a better defender, that's the kind of thing that it may take to win this job. Because I know Brian Snitker said during the winter meetings, look, I haven't seen Vaughn Grissom play shortstop. That's not something we asked him to do. I wasn't able to watch him in the minor leagues because we were kind of busy doing some other things at the big league level. So. Getting to spring training, I think that's going to be as important as anything is kind of giving the Braves their first look at him in the big leagues, on the big league side of things, in big league camp, showing that he is, in fact, capable of getting that job because they're just not going to hand the keys over to him just because he is, you know, the the guy that they have maybe next in line of the young players. They may still go out and make some other move that allows a veteran to come in and maybe just be a stopgap while Vaughn figures some things out and, and continues to kind of put the finishing touches on, as I said earlier, which might mean time in Gwinnett, but there's a lot that we'll have to see before any of this all comes to pass. Yeah. And I've been on that same, you know, kind of page. I think we talked about it last time and obviously it's a, one of the biggest topics for the Braves. So it's going to continue to come up until we get some sort of resolution. But for me, it just seems like they're going to go into spring training. And unless Grissom just shows leaps and bounds defensively, which is going to be hard to tell in a short spring training camp, I feel like it could be best for his development to send him down and use a stopgap shortstop or even let Arcia handle it and let him get those game reps at the shortstop position. Look, if evaluators didn't think he could stick there as a minor leaguer, is three weeks with Ron Washington in the offseason going to change that? I'm not saying he can't get there, but to ask him to do that in one offseason and then in one spring training seems like a, a tall ask. And you mentioned the Ozzy Albies moving to shortstop thing. That was Jason Davies who had mentioned that the possibility of moving Albies to shortstop. I just, I don't see that. Like you said, he's a gold glove defender. I know he hasn't won one, but I think he could, you know, yeah. at second base. I don't believe he has the arm for shortstop at this point. I would not, I would not take him off second base. Uh, I'll say this though. I never thought Michael Harris would come up last year as early as he did. I yep. thought it might be better suited for Spencer Strider to stay in the minors last year and develop things. And the Braves said, those guys are ready. We're going to move them up. If they think Von Grissom is ready, they will not hesitate. The extension thing before the All-Star break, that might be a little too much. I don't see that happening, even if he does have a good first half. Uh, but who knows with the way Alex is handing those out right now. Now you never know with those kinds of things. It's... It's always possible with these young players, and obviously we saw, again, with Sean Murphy just this past week, I felt like he was an ideal extension candidate if the Braves could come to terms with him, and obviously they did, so he's going to be here for most of the next decade. I was looking at some of these questions in the chat, and I thought uh, you know some interesting ones when we talk about shortstop and the Braves, maybe infield or whatnot, but uh, Matt Mock asking, you know, he's seen some Jazz Chisholm talk out there. Is that a real possibility? I don't foresee that being something that the Marlins would be willing to explore, particularly in the division at Jazz's age right now. They don't have to make a move with him. So I can't really see him moving at all, just in, in general, because I feel like they need to have some pieces to build around for the future. They've got Alcantara to a lesser extent. They got Pablo Lopez, but on the offensive side, 
They got Jazz Chisholm and and not a lot else right now. So I don't see him moving. Do you? I don't. And I've had a couple of people ask me that question in the offseason. And I just I don't know what the motivation would be for the Marlins to to move Jazz Chisholm. I know there's a lot of talk because Chisholm says he, you know, loves the Braves and he's made comments kind of towards that, but <laughs> The Marlins need Jazz Chisholm. He is a guy that the Bra- or that the Marlins need to build around as they try to rebuild this thing. They got some great pitching. They need some offense, and right now he's one of their better options that they have, a young option, affordable. So, yeah, I just don't see any motivation for – as much as the Braves fans might want it, it'd be a lot of fun to have him, but it just would not make a lot of sense for the Marlins to do that. Um, the next question comes from Razor Reb. He says, with position players except left field and shortstop locked up, can you discuss the potential need for the Braves to hit on a couple of arms from the last two drafts since high-quality elite free agent pitching may not be an option after Morton and Freed are most likely out of the pitcher in two years? And we kind of touched on this just a little bit earlier. You talked about the Braves' draft strategy, and through mm-hmm. the rebuild, it seemed like mostly in the draft, what they continue to do is go after arms early and continue to develop those arms. And I think that's a great strategy because – You look at what the Braves are able to do right now. Yes, they don't have a very deep farm system, but they're stockpiled with pitching at the upper levels. And because of that, they're still able to make these moves because everybody's looking for starting pitching. So I think they'll continue to do that. And and Razor Reb is right because of where the farm system is. They have to hit on these guys early in the draft to try to replenish this farm system to have guys ready once Max Freed and others get to free agency because we're seeing a, a, a hesitancy from Alex Antopoulos to lock up you know, these pitchers for whatever reason. I know there's a lot of comments in the chat already about Max Freed being extended. I don't yeah. know about you, Grant. I don't see it happening, but it is very important as you're going through you know, this contention window to continue to draft and develop pitching. Yeah, it, it is, and I foresee the Braves continuing to do that with a lot of their picks being guys that they feel like on the arm side are going to be projectable future pieces. And whether that's a Jared Schuster, I know the Braves just traded Kyle Muller. I felt like he was a guy that you know I would like to have seen maybe a little bit more of a look at at times this year, but after the Jake Odorizzi trade, it kind of seemed like that's the route they were going. Even with Ian Anderson, I mean, we really don't know exactly what his future looks like because – 2022 raised a lot of questions about his ability to develop a third pitch, to have consistency three times through a lineup, a lot of things like that. So, you know, Ian could find himself in the mix for fifth starter. I know there's a couple of questions in the chat about what does fifth starter look like, or he might end up back, you know, back down in Gwinnett, or he might end up in the big league rotation if he's shown enough to where they feel like he's the route to go. And then you got the question about healthy Mike Soroka. Now, does that change extending Max Freed or what the Braves' pitching plans are the next two years? Well, no. Mike Soroka is just kind of another question in what the Braves will, are going to be doing over the next couple of seasons. But I, the Freed extension, I mean, you, you'd love to have it. I asked Alex Antopoulos about this when Spencer Strider got his extension because that was outside the box from all of the other extensions the Braves had done. This was finally a pitcher getting it but it was a pitcher in his first full year in the big leagues, not someone who's going to be knocking on the door of free agency. The Braves still have two more years of control of Max Freed through arbitration. What's it going to look like in a couple of years? Is he going to continue doing the things that he's done? If he does, he's going to be in line for a great big payday, Jake. I think probably in the line of something maybe like what Carlos Rodon just got from the Yankees, 27 to $30 million a year seems to be the going rate for guys that are one or two in a rotation. And, Maybe he goes to a new club and there's somebody in front of him that's a perennial Cy Young candidate. But 
you know, Max Fried has fronted the Braves rotation for the last two, if not three years. And I think that he's going to have a good market out there if he continues to be healthy and do what he's been doing. Can the Braves get him locked in to buy out this next couple of years and maybe a couple of free agent years? Maybe it's a shorter extension, but Max Fried's also the Braves player rep. So I would imagine that there are different conversations that go on when you're involved with the Players Association and in, in terms of all the collective bargaining and the the dollars and cents that, um, you know, if, if you're setting the example, I guess, as a free agent, you're probably trying to get the best offer you can regardless of where it is. So I don't know if for a free agent to be type player, if the extension model makes as much sense as it does for the guys that are going to spend two to three years making the league minimum, like many of the extensions the Braves have signed to buy out those years, arbitration years, and a couple of free agent years. Yeah, you're not getting a hometown discount with Max Freed no. uh, because of the, the reasons you just mentioned. I also just don't think Alex Antopoulos is comfortable paying a pitcher that much into their thirties. There's look, he talked about the other day when the extension with Sean Murphy, there's risk in doing these deals for injury regression. It's even more risky when you're signing pitchers who could get injured and be out for an entire year. So I just think he's very hesitant to do those deals. I've been saying for a while on the podcast here, I think, I've been saying enjoy the next two years of Max Freed because I think he's gone because I don't think the Braves are going to pay pay that high price that he is going to get and deserves by you know what he's done. But I just don't see the Braves getting him to extend to a price that Alex is comfortable with, and I think he's going to free agency, which leads to a couple of questions that we have. Paul Crawford says, "Should we go ahead and trade the next free agent possibility?" if we were going to let them walk. And then J-Dub in the chat says, do you guys see a moving free in 2024? Uh, Grant, this team, if this team weren't trying to win a World Series, then yes, by all means you would. But this team is trying to win a World Series. And look, you won a series, World Series with Freddie Freeman in his his walk year. If you trade him at the deadline, do you still win that World Series? No. I mean, if you, you, you're not going to trade Dansby Swanson in his walk year if you you're not think you're going to get a deal worked out because you got a chance to win a World Series with him. It's different when you're in contention. You're not trying to trade these pending free agents to look for prospects for the future. You're trying to win. So whether they're going to re-sign these players or you know try to work out an extension – they're going to ride these players through until their free agent seasons. Yeah, I think they'd ride out Max Freed. There's really no reason to trade him. And if you were trading him, you're going to have to go out and acquire somebody as good as Max Freed to replace him. And how long is that guy going to be under control? Or what kind of contract situation would, would that be? I mean, you, you've got a lot of different guys that might come up for trade. And I almost feel like I'd rather be trading for one of those guys and keeping Max Freed and ultra loading that rotation and having the best one possible I know it's no fun to watch these guys leave in free agency, and and certainly that's you know something that we could spend a lot of time talking about the the pros and cons of you know what should have happened with the Dansby Swanson situation, where the Braves right in their offer was it just simply too much money on the Cubs side offered to Swanson, which is what I think it is too much to leave on the table, or then with Freddie Freeman that was a whole saga in and of itself. They're not all going to play out as messy as the Freddie Freeman one did, but. You know, at the end of the day, the Braves did let Freddie Freeman go, but they went out and got a long-term replacement for him in Matt Olson. So if you are going to let a piece like that go, you've got to have a plan in place. And the shortstop one may take a minute for them to kind of figure that out or for it to become a little bit more clear. But yeah, if you're going to trade the front of the rotation starter that you have, you better have a plan to replace that. Because as you look at what the Braves have dealt with starting pitching-wise over the last, what, three years, they seem to run into some problems where some guys aren't available late in the year. Charlie Morton's broken leg. 
Max Fried being sick as a dog in the playoff series in the last couple of weeks of the season, Spencer Strider being injured at the end of the year. I want to have as many horses as I can, and hopefully they're as healthy as they can be heading into October because you know, you're going to need all those guys. I just can't see them trying to make a legitimate playoff run the way that you know they are and trading away Max Fried in the middle of it. Yeah, unless they were just out of it by five-plus games at the deadline, you know, then perhaps you think about it. But even then, I mean, your best shot at winning a World Series, it was Max Fried at the front of your rotation. If that's only for the next two years, then so be it. But appreciate the questions. Got a lot more questions I want to get to. Before I do that, it's New Year's coming up. You know, a lot of you going to be out hanging out with friends, you know, putting back some drinks. A few becomes a few too many. And as the evening comes to an end, you start to think about calling for a ride, but you don't. You think you live nearby. You can make it okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds that you get pulled over? And what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car or you injure yourself or someone else. Everyone knows about the risk of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop anyone or everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe, plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration. All right, Graham, we got a couple of questions here. Talking about the fifth spar- star- starter spot and also talking about Mike Soroka. Uncle Jimbo says, has there been any word on Soroka's progress? I think I saw David O'Brien say the other day, you know, he's having a normal offseason looking forward to spring training. He says, yeah. if he comes back to semi-normal, do you see him sticking with the Braves or being trade fodder for a bat? And then also uh, another question from uh, Pierce Gilbert says, who is the number five starter? So I think that kind of plays in because I think that's what Soroka is competing for. But, you know, overall, your thoughts on the fifth starter, your thoughts on Mike Soroka. Yeah, I feel like it's almost a 50-50 proposition between Ian Anderson and Mike Soroka. And if you've got a healthy Mike Soroka, I almost feel like he has the inside track. Just in, in terms of the year that Ian Anderson had last year, which brought up a lot of questions about, you know, his ability to navigate through the lineups, the requisite amount of times you'd like a starter to be able to. And then you think about all of the promise that Mike Soroka showed before the Achilles injury cost him basically two years of his career. Getting back on the mound last year, making those half a dozen minor league starts, showing that the stuff is still there. I know he dealt with some arm soreness later on, and the, the Braves just didn't want to push it. And a normal offseason after two years, basically solid years of rehabbing just to try to get back on the mound, is the best possible thing I think that Mike Soroka could have gotten. So I know Mike's working hard. He's going to, I'm sure, begin throwing if he hasn't a little bit already as he ramps up and gets ready for spring training. But if he comes in there healthy and is able to you know, just show the Braves that he's a capable five- to six-inning pitcher, I think that he's the guy you could turn to in that fifth spot of the rotation, and I would have a hard time saying no to that if, in fact, he's healthy and goes out there and looks good in spring training. And I I know that's a a big if because of what he's had to go through, but at this point, I feel like he's finally been able to kind of get over that hump and is now coming down that mountain uh, and hopefully ready to resume his career and do the kind of things he was showing us in 2019 in particular and even into 2020 before the injury happened. Yeah, for sure. Look, Ian Anderson, the stuff is there. I said the tweet of this out a while ago as I watched one of his starts from last year. It's like the stuff is there. That changeup is ridiculous. And he has a mid-90s fastball. Just a couple of things he needs to work on, location, command, a third pitch. And I think he can be okay. We all know what Mike Soroka can be, certainly cheering for the guy. 
I, I do wonder because he hasn't pitched in nearly two years, going to be you know pretty much three years once he gets back into the season. You know, do the Braves try to limit him a little bit early on and kind of save that arm? But I mean, if it's there and he pitches like like you said, I think he kind of has the inside track there in that fifth starter spot. Certainly yeah. two good options, guys who have had really good major league success already. And you, I believe that they can get back to where they were. So certainly some great options for the Braves fifth starter spot. Um, a couple of questions I want to combine here again. Gus on Twitter says, who is Grant's favorite prospect in the Braves system? And then Kwame in the chat says, do you think there are any position prospects that will contribute in 2023? Yeah, gosh, I mean, favorite prospect in the system right now. I mean, things have changed so much over the last year. It was easy for me to say Michael Harris prior because I was definitely excited about seeing what he was going to be able to do, and he turned himself into the National League Rookie of the Year. I, I think I'm interested to see, you know, is Jared Schuster going to get a look come spring training? I mean, I know we just talked about Ian Anderson. We just talked about Mike Soroka. I know Bryce Elder is going to be in that mix for the fifth starter as well. I mean, Schuster offers you another left-handed option, which I think is interesting. Um, in terms of depth for your rotation, if you're going to be throwing outside of Max Freed, mostly righties, maybe that's something that you give a look to. So I would say he's probably my most intriguing major league ready uh, prospect for the Braves right now. I know we could probably you know dig down into the top 30 and I could find a lot of different guys that I, I like different things about. But as far as guys knocking on the door that seem close or that might be able to contribute at some point in 2023, I think he's probably toward the top of my list. Yeah, if you're going to, I mean, you're looking at prospects for the Braves who excite you. I think it has to be on the pitching side. I've talked a lot about A.J. smith Shaver. I think he's yeah. my, you know, most exciting prospect for the Braves right now. As far as, you know, and who's going to impact, you know, position player-wise in 2023, I'm not sure. And and um, Kwame, I think, who asked the question in chat, had mentioned Braden Shoemake. It's a name we don't hear a lot, but a guy who plays infield, plays shortstop, and is good defensively and was a high draft pick, but just hasn't come around with a bad, I believe he was banged up a little bit last year as well. Yeah. So, I mean, if he, you know, things turn around with the bat, you know, I hear he's good enough defensively. having got to watch a lot of him at the minor league level, but, you know, could be somebody that perhaps gets a shot in 2023. He's right there in triple a. So that there's just not a lot of their prospect or position player wise. I thought Justin Henry Malloy may have had the most chance of any of them yeah. to get a shot in 2023 before getting traded, but there's just not a lot there. The position player uh, side of things for the Braves. There's several pitchers. You mentioned, you know, Schuster elders, others, you know, Darius vines um, that you could see, you know, there's, there's a lot of pitchers that I could see getting a chance, but not much on the position player side of things. Um, had another question in the chat from Davis Gorman. He's, this was another one asking about Jazz Chisholm, but uh, I wanted to ask about this one as well because we hear the Brian Reynolds name come up a lot. Grant is obviously somebody that makes a lot of sense for the Braves. And, you know, they asked, is a trade likely? Who do you think it would require, you know, for a prospect package for, for Brian Reynolds? I mean, I don't think anybody's off the table when you look at just whether it's low-level minor league guys, whether it's some of the pitching prospects you just mentioned. I mean, the Braves have not been shy about moving some of their top names. I mean, guys we heard about for years, whether it was Pache and Waters or Cal Muller. I mean, they traded Shea Langoliers. They traded Justin Henry Malloy before we really even got to know him. A, a lot of different deals could come into to place, but I feel like if you're going out to get Brian Reynolds and you look at the price it costs for Sean Murphy, which actually included William Contreras on top of everything else, 
I, I think it, it'd be a pretty pricey acquisition. I don't know if it would require major league talent. So are you all of a sudden talking about, well, you might have to trade Vaughn Grissom in this deal. You might have to trade, you know, I, I don't know. Ian Anderson might be a guy that the pirates would like to have for what, what three more, four more years of team control of him. And then some minor league prospects on top of that, that would seem like the kind of package a club like the pirates would be looking for pieces for the future, but also guys that they could plug in. But I mean, you look, they've made a trade with the Braves not long ago, and Bryce Wilson is only 24 years old, and they just cut him this week, which I was a little bit surprised about. Not that he was great last year. He wasn't. But I was a little surprised that the Pirates didn't have any use for the 24-year-old arm of Bryce Wilson at this point. So I don't know what they're doing up there in Pittsburgh. And Mm -hmm. clearly, when it comes to talent and accruing that talent and gathering up enough to really turn the corner up there, it does not seem any more of a sure thing in 2023 than it has for the last five or six years. It doesn't. And look, I've been saying for a while, I think the Braves could put a package together to get Brian Reynolds, but there are other teams who could come out and easily you know, beat any package that the Braves would offer Brian Reynolds. And I do think a trade for him would likely require Vaughn Grissom. And can you make that deal not knowing what you're going to do at shortstop? I, I just don't know that that would be a smart decision by the Braves. Obviously getting Brian Reynolds would be a smart decision, you know, however yeah. you can do that. But I think it could cost you a Von Grissom. And then what are you doing at shortstop? Because there's nobody else in the the system right now that's even close to filling that need at a premium position. So I do think there's a package that could get it done, and it would be very costly. I also think there's a lot of teams out there that would be highly interested in Brian Reynolds that could beat just about any package the Braves could offer right now yeah i saw some interesting comments here in the uh chat and i wanted to hit a few of these because i I found that um you know a lot of these are questions that i'm getting on twitter as well um some of i guess the outfield options that we're looking at i mean one that just came in i don't see how we benefit from waving ozuna he's still better than than luplo that may be the case. It's just he's been one of the least valuable players in terms of overall production among all real qualified hitters last year. And then his 2021 was pretty much an abject disaster. And I'm guessing right now the Braves are just kind of looking to, you know, hang on to him and hope that maybe he shows something in 2023 that he hasn't already. But as it goes forward and that sum of money starts to come down a little bit more and they've just kind of exhausted the waiting game as much as they can. I think it becomes more likely that the Braves could at some point just decide to bite the bullet on that. But it's easy for us to say, hey, just eat that money and just move on. It's a little bit tougher for teams and um, and executives to make that decision. Uh, Adam Duvall is a name that's come up a lot. I, it's starting to get a little crowded in the outfield. And I know Duvall made, what, about $9 million last year. Now he's a free agent. I don't think he's going to command $9 million anywhere. Maybe he could get you know four to $5 million somewhere with a lot of incentives you know, based on, you know, his production. But uh, from everything I understood, he was going to be healthy and ready to play in spring training. He had that wrist surgery, of course, that, you know, really took him out of the Braves uh, plans in the second half last year. He's a name that I still like, but I'm starting to wonder how many outfielders can you collect and try to have a place for him. It just seems like this kind of a numbers game at this point, particularly with Ozuna being one of the bigger stumbling blocks towards moving towards anybody else and giving somebody else significant time at either left field and DH or both. Yeah, I, I agree with you know all those sentiments on Ozuna. Yeah, he can hit the ball hard. He can hit home runs. The difference between him and some of the others on the roster is that's all he does. You know, Luplo can play corner outfield defense. He has a strong arm. He can run. Ozuna does none of those things. He's a pure DH who strikes out a ton. And yes, if you put him in there 
for 500 at bats, he'll probably run into 25 home runs. I could see him doing that, but he does nothing else for you. Grant, there are a lot of Braves fans who really love Adam Duvall. That's the one thing I've learned this offseason. Yep. I've gotten more questions about the Braves possibly bringing back Adam Duvall than anything else. And I get it, and it makes sense because he can play all three outfield positions. I just feel like when they got Luplo, that kind of was the the end of the chapter of Adam Duvall because I feel like he feels that need from the the right side, can play you know solid defense in the outfield, have the strong arm. So, Power. yeah, I mean, it's just – could it happen? Yeah, but like you said, it's getting a little crowded. I feel like somebody would have to exit in order for him to come in at this point, which they could they could do. There's still some players on the 40 man that they could, you know, cut off to to add somebody like Adam Duvall, but I just, you know, don't see it right now. No, I don't see it right now either. And to follow up on the Pirates side of things, because I see we've got some different things going on in the chat regarding like what would they do with Von Grissom? Well, the answer is pretty clear. They wouldn't play him at shortstop if they're gonna play O'Neill Cruz there. And there were questions about Grissom with whether or not he was going to even play shortstop at the big league level. So would they try to slide him over to third base? Would they move him to second base, let him play there? Would they move him into the outfield? It would just be getting a talented young player who really, even at the moment right now, I would say is still kind of without a position because he hasn't proven himself as a big league shortstop. So to kind of piggyback on your answer in the chat, it would be getting one of, if not the Braves' best trade asset right now, which I think Vaughn Grissom has to be at or at the, or near the top of that list if you're coming calling for young players in the Braves organization that aren't already locked into long-term deals. Yeah, which is what the A's should have done, right? That's why the A's got you know bashed so much in the Sean Murphy trade because William Contreras was the second best player by many people evaluation in that deal, and the A's didn't get him. Now they flipped him for a player that maybe they feel is going to be better and, and fill their needs, and that's something that the Pirates could do. Look, if the Pirates wanted to to get you know, the Braves and Pirates are going to get in a deal and they trade for Von Grissom because he is one of the most valuable trade assets that you don't feel like he's going to be a fit for you. Then you flip him to get something that you want. So maybe a third team comes into a deal again. I mean, yeah. I did not expect the Milwaukee Brewers to come in. I, I made a joke about it kind of being like a flash sale for them. They just saw William Contreras at half off and went ahead and bought it like it was Black Friday. I don't know how no. they ended up getting in that deal and getting William Contreras. I know that Uri Ruiz was a nice player that they got for Josh Hader in that deal, but a lot of people would regard the hater trade as a deal the Brewers shouldn't have made. So it's it's very yeah. weird, the tangled web that comes with that trade. Yeah, and you, you mentioned the the hater deal, and that kind of you know led to a thought where everybody's talking about should the Braves go ahead and trade these, these players before they get free agency to get something out of them. That's what the Brewers do, and that's what they've done with some of their players. That's why people are already asking, are they going to trade Corbin Birds? Or are they, they going to trade Willie Adamas? It's mm -hmm. just they're a team that, especially in that – division had a chance to win and compete and you, you trade off somebody like josh Hader, a known great all-star commodity and your team regresses it's you know it doesn't always work out like that you have good players you have the opportunity to win you keep those and and you write it out and see what happens so i just i don't get the idea of trading these all-star level players for prospects when you have the opportunity to win now. And I get it. You want to try to build out and continue to win in the future. And the Braves, with all these contracts, again, bringing it full circle and these extensions they've made, I feel like they've done that. Yeah, no, they've they've created that uh, the consistency that they wanted, and not only from a cost certainty standpoint, but, but the stability of how they're building their overall roster. And we brought up the Padres, and, and here in the chat, we got a few questions about this because I know there was an, uh, a few different you know, articles or tweets that have popped up about the Padres being open to listen to offers for both Hassan Kim, their shortstop, who's going to be displaced as soon as 
Uh, Fernando Tatis comes back, I would assume, and with Xander Bogarts now on the team. you got to figure out some place to play the two of them. That means that for Kim, it's going to be a little bit tougher to find a, a spot to play every day. And then you've also got perhaps Trent Grisham being available. Uh, I like Grisham a lot. I mean, clearly, there's some holes in the game from the hitting side of things, but he's a nice outfielder, and I don't know if it would be a possibility to get both those guys in the same trade or if the Padres might be looking to wheel or deal these guys off separately and maybe to non-playoff contenders or maybe to another league where they don't have to see him quite as much. Those are a couple of names that obviously the Braves have a hole at shortstop and going out and getting a veteran is one thing that's been discussed, whether it was signing one of these veteran guys to come in and just be a stopgap for a year or to get somebody that could stick around for a couple of years while they really figure out what the long-term plan is there. But both those are interesting names. And I think for the Padres, they might be motivated to move both those guys because there may just not be the playing time for them. Yeah, Hassan Kim, if he is available, became available, he'd probably be one of my you know, biggest targets for the Braves at shortstop because I think he's making $7 million this year and $8 million next year. So not a lot. Was really solid defensively for the Padres last year. Yeah, so I mean, you know, it would obviously be a great get for the Braves. Maybe if the Padres were looking for some pitching, um, you know, that could be a deal that could be worked out there. I've I've kind of heard from others that Kim's going to move to second and then Cronenworth's going to move to first. And that's how maybe they fill that in there. But, you know, who knows? Because like you said, they got a lot of shortstops there. They're talking about moving Fernando Tatis to the outfield. Maybe that doesn't work out. You got to play him somewhere. But if he is available, I would, you know, love for the Braves to go after Kim. I think that would be a great addition. All right. I'll take one final question here to wrap this up. And I think it's the perfect Question to wrap this up, this coming from Chris Shappy, who says, who do you see the Braves opening day left fielder is and at shortstop and happy new year. Happy new year to you, Chris. You've been a great supporter of the podcast all year. Really do appreciate it. Um, Grant, I'll let you go first. We're ending off the 2022 year. Who's going to be in left field and shortstop for the Braves on opening day? Well, I'm going to say opening day left fielders, Eddie Rosario. And if we're looking at the options that are on the club right now, I'm going to say that hopefully spring training goes well and, and Vaughn Grissom's at shortstop. But if it's not him, I think it could be Orlando Arcia. That to me is more of a toss up. But I think your opening day left fielder is Eddie Rosario. Okay. I, I think that's true. And I think that's a good call because I think they'll probably be facing a righty. You know, odds are there'll probably be a righty on the mound. So Rosario in left field. Uh, if it is a lefty, I, I would say Luplo is probably going to be in there in left field. I think that's your platoon partners right now. I, I've kind of been against this, but we didn't really touch on this. The fact the Braves are over the luxury tax now, spend a little bit more and go get Elvis Andrews or go get Jose Iglesias and put them at shortstop. You know, if you really just wanted to put somebody there defensively, you could go get one of those guys and continue to let Grissom work on things at AAA, which I think may be the better move for his development. If you see him as the future at shortstop, let him continue to do that at AAA and then maybe bring him up later in the year. But if you could get an Andrews or an Iglesias, you know, on a one-year deal for, you know, six, seven, eight million dollars, you're already over the luxury tax. It's not like it's going to be a big tax on you anyway. So go out, get one of those veterans, put them at shortstop, let Grissom continue to work on things. I, you know, I think that could be the right plan for the Braves. Yeah, and there's a couple of guys out there you mentioned with Elvis Andrus, and you can never rule out the possibility of a trade. And I, I know there have been some reports that maybe uh, was it Jorge Mateo of the Baltimore Orioles might be mm -hmm. somebody else who's available, at least via trade. So, you know, that would be an, an interesting route to take. But, yeah, when you're over the luxury tax at this point, which the Braves are, it's the lowest possible level of that luxury tax. And I know that, and this is another thing Alex Anthopoulos has been really good about, 
over the course of his tenure as a Braves GM. He'll spend and and get some things done over the course of the season that you know you have that money set aside for to make the club better during the 162, particularly at the trade deadline. So I wouldn't rule out. You know, even if the first couple of three months, maybe shortstop or left field looks a certain way, that it might not look a little bit different come the trade deadline in late July or first week of August. Yeah, I could almost make the prediction that whoever your starting left fielder and shortstop is on opening day probably won't be the same at the end of 2023. But that'll do it for this episode of Lockdown Braves. Thank you so much for all your questions, whether in the chat or on Twitter. Grant, thank you so much. It's been an amazing year. Uh, doing these with you, doing the postcast after the, every game as well, or just about every game it felt like. Make sure you go follow Grant on Twitter if you don't already. Make sure you subscribe to his podcast as well, From the Diamond. You can follow them on Twitter at From the Diamond with an underscore there at the end as well. Grant's on Battery Power TV. He's doing all kinds of stuff over there, so make sure you go check Grant out. Again, that'll do it for this episode. Thanks for making Locked On Braves your first listen of every day. Now go give a Locked On Sports today a listen. We're talking about the biggest takeaways from every sports action out there going on each and every day. They'll be talking about the NFL playoffs coming up, NBA, all of that going on, college bowl season, college football playoff coming up this weekend. So make sure you're, that you listen to Locked On Sports today. Again, thanks for listening to us. Thanks so much for all your questions. Subscribe to us on YouTube if you're new. Subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 